you don't mind just doing a quick intro for those that may not know who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure thing. My name is Zuby. I'm an independent rapper from the UK. I'm also the host of my podcast, Real Talk with Zuby. I'm a public speaker, a coach, and also the author of the book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. So I started out just making music. I released my very first album in 2006 when I was still in university. I studied at Oxford. I did computer science there. And from 2011, um, I have been full-time self-employed as a musician and creative entrepreneur. Awesome. So what was that transition like? Because I read you worked as a consultant and then you went full-time. What was that transition like for you? Sure. So it's important to remember that by the time I did that transition, I'd already been making music for about five years. I had put out two albums and one EP. I'd already built up an audience of a few thousand people. I'd sold several thousand albums completely independently. So for me, I was already doing both things. And I got to a position in 2011 where it felt like both careers were competing with each other. And my progress in one was holding back from my progress in the other. And in my heart of hearts, I knew what I wanted to be doing. I didn't, for multiple reasons, I didn't want to be in the corporate world for many, many years, let alone decades. I'm a very creative person. I'm an entrepreneurial minded person. So I made a decision at the beginning of 2011 that by the end of that year, I would be a full-time musician. And I made that plan and I stuck to it. So it was, it wasn't something, it wasn't like I jumped out of the corporate world to go start something totally new that I wasn't already doing. I already had a music career and things were already going and growing there. And I knew that people liked my music and I knew that people were buying it. And so by the time it came around to me leaving, it was a little bit of a smoother transition. Absolutely. And I think, um, this particular instance or this conversation is valuable and applicable to this time in particular, because a lot of people want to make that transition or are making that transition. And if mm -hmm. we could talk about kind of creating that balance between working a full-time job and pursuing your craft at the same time, I think that's a fascinating sort of, you know, headspace to be in to make sacrifices and not do certain things that your peers are doing. So if you want to touch on that. Yeah, well, I think it's very important for people to understand their values, their principles, their mission, and their purpose in life. I think it's one of the most important things a person can do. And I think that a lot of people go through their entire life from cradle to the grave without really considering that properly. If you think about it, for the first 16 to 20 years of your life, you're kind of on rails. You don't really have that many choices. I mean, of course, we don't choose where we're born or who we are born to. Um, and then we generally don't choose what school we go to. Uh, that could go all the way up through to people in their teenage years. And then even if someone chooses to go to university, oftentimes stuff is just on rails. Like when you're in school, the curriculum is just the set curriculum. They teach everybody the same thing. It differs country to country, but you're, you're just kind of on rails. You have some opportunities to develop yourself and make your own choices and decisions. But as a child, you know, your parents are making decisions for you. Your circumstances are largely making a lot of decisions for you. So you have very, very limited autonomy. It's not until you become a young adult where, oh, suddenly you've, you've got the, you've got the options. The, the world opens up. Do I want to even live in this 
country? What career do I want to do? What city should I live in? Who do I want to be with? Which who, who are my friends going to be? Even when it comes down to friends, as a child, you don't really pick your social circle. Your friends just are, you're limited really to, okay, who, who's at my school? And then out of those people, you pick who your friends are. Um, or sometimes you kind of just end up friends because you're all in close proximity. Right. And so I think because of this, a lot of times people continue on these rails, right? They just go, okay, from university, they go into straight into the corporate job. And then they might do that for many, many decades. And they just kind of do things as they're told to, right? As it's kind of dictated to. Now, there's nothing wrong with choosing to take that path. But what I would say is people should consider, is that what I want? Is that, is that what's right for me? Am I doing this because my parents told me to, or like the society told me to, or like, I don't know what else to do, or is this actually what I want to be doing? And I think this is why you end up with a lot of people stuck in careers or jobs, which kind of feel like dead ends where they're not, they're not really happy. They're just kind of going through the motions. Yeah, sure. They're making enough money to cover their bills, but they don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel content. They're not really satisfied. So I think, um, you know, sometimes people say, oh, just just follow your passion. I think that is also that advice also lacks nuance, right? There's there's nuance here. And I, I'm all for I'm all for chasing your passion with with caveats, right? But I think the first thing people should really do and spend time doing and by the way, this can take years, this can take years, this isn't just like you sit down one day and get this all done, but to really, really think about, okay, what are my what are my priorities? What's what's important to me? Right? Consider even something very simple, like, you know, time and money. Right? Do you are you really money driven? Some people are there are there are a number of people who are really, really just driven by money and accumulation of wealth and numbers. It's actually a minority of people. It's not, that's not most people. Right? Most people, if you really think about it, time is generally more valuable than money is. Right. right. A lot of times why people even want money is so that they can have freedom. I think a lot of people actually really value freedom and autonomy and liberty and the ability to wake up when they want and go where they want and go on vacation when they want and not have to worry about bills and this and that. Uh, what about what about health? What about relationships? What about family? All of these things, you know, and, and there are many more. You, you really have to think about, OK, for me as an individual, where do these things stack up? If you look at it and you're like, you know what? I'm really, really family oriented, right? Like I want to, I want to get married. I want to have a family. And that's my priority, whether you're a man or a woman, right? Society might be telling you like, no, no, no. Like don't even think about that until you're, until you're in your thirties or forties and, you know, go get that money and go live in a big city, go, go chase after that grind, right. go join the rat race. But if that's not for you, then don't feel you have to get dragged into that because you, you know, if, if it's like, Hey, I can't care much more about family than I care about, like just becoming, having a super high income or whatever, you know, I care more about my family and my time and my flexibility. That's totally fine. If you're someone who looks at it and is like, you know what, like I'm, I'm not all that family oriented, at least not now. And you know what, I want to just go and I want to go and stack money. I want to earn as much money as I can. And I'm willing to sacrifice for that. Cause you're, you're going to have to sacrifice, you know, there's, there's always trade-offs. Um, what about health, right? If you're making a lot of money, but your health is terrible, are you wealthy? Are you successful? I mean, I, I don't know. I, to, in, in, my, in my opinion, no, not really, because your health is one of the most important things and sacrificing your health to make money is hustling backwards to me. So I think each individual really needs to 
look at that and, and really, really think about it. Think about even your location. Are you in the country you want to be in? Are you in the city you want to be in? Just because you're born somewhere doesn't mean that you have to stay there your entire life. I mean, it's crazy to me that most people actually do. I think most people never leave the countries that they're born in, right? And sometimes they're not able to, but like to me, that's kind of crazy because there's, a, there's, I don't know, 200 or so countries out there and there might be a country, certainly a city, even if it's within your same country where you might just be happier and have a better circle of the friends and have more opportunities and have whatever it is you want. So I recommend people really spend time deliberating on that and thinking about it and not just going with not just going with the flow or doing something because you know when you were seven years old your your parents told you that you should do this I mean even even down to career like what do you want to do how many people are in jobs because like their parents wanted them to be a lawyer right like that's not that's, that's not a good reason to be a lawyer there's good reasons to be a lawyer but it shouldn't be that oh you know from when I was born my parents just had this dream that they wanted me to be a lawyer it's like no, that's not, that's not a good reason. I mean, absolutely, you should respect your parents and value their opinion and honor your parents. I strongly believe in that. But also, if your parents respect you and value you and want you to be happy, they, they should also support what it is that you want to, you want to do. Um, that's an interesting so that, concept. Um, sure. Sorry to cut you off, but uh, all of this starts with reflecting and thinking and becoming kind of self-aware and being introspective mm-hmm. as well to a certain extent. To a, to a high degree, actually, um, because you could lie to yourself and let ego get in the way and think you are deserving of something or worthy of something, and then you don't necessarily put in the effort to actualize that. But in your mm. journey or in your life, how did you develop this ability to think of yourself in third person and analyze your strengths, weaknesses, and identify what you were truly interested in and passionate about? That's a great question, man. Um, it's a little bit difficult because with these things, it's always hard to know where the line between nature and nurture is. I know that I have a, I have a very unique and relatively rare personality type, just, just in general. And I've been like that since I was a kid. Um, I'm very, very assertive. I'm very, very conscientious. I'm not particularly, um, whilst I'm very respectful and polite, I don't sort of defer to authority just because it's an authority or follow a rule or do something like I've never I've never really cared to fit in right like I don't care not not I mean I was I was a popular growing up like I was never some sort of outcast or something but I won't do something it's very very hard to to pressure to peer pressure me from it from childhood to now you can't peer pressure me like I won't do something just because a lot of other people are doing it Right. I mean, yesterday I was denied entry to two restaurants because I wouldn't put on a mask to walk three feet to my table. Right. Like I'm that kind of person. I won't do it. I, won't just, I don't care if that's the rule. I don't care if other people are doing it. It's stupid. I'm not doing it. Um, and so I'm just I'm very much wired like that. And um, I'm also very creative. I'm very creative and entrepreneurial. I used to I wanted to be a cartoonist when I was a kid. Um, so prior to any involvement in music, I used to always be drawing so when I was a kid, people always used to know me for, for drawing. Um, I played piano as well for a little while, but I didn't really get into music until my teens. And then in my late teens, that's when I actually started making my own music. 
So for me, it was sort of, you know, there's discovery. We try different things as we're growing up. I think that is one of the, one of the great benefits of, of going to school and trying different things as a child is you can learn whether it's sports or music or whatever activity you can learn. Okay. Like this is something I've got a knack at, or I've got some talent in, or I've got some interest in. If you, if you never try it, you never really know. So that's a part of it. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, I, I think that's largely it. I think it's a combination of my, my personality traits and then also trying things and seeing, seeing what I like, seeing what I dislike, again, being very honest and open with that, seeing what I'm good at and what I'm not so good at. And then uh, from then on, it was a matter of turning that from hobby into career. Right. And that definitely takes a lot of discipline as well, um, mm-hmm. especially when you sort of pursue the entrepreneur entrepreneurial route you operate on your time and with that can come you know complacency as well and and you could be Mm -hmm. focusing on things that aren't necessarily you know productive but they seem productive so how do you maneuver through that i'm sure the structure that you had before that transition certainly contributes to that meaning going to school Mm -hmm. working at a at a large corporation but how do you self-govern yourself as an entrepreneur, as a person making that transition? It's a good question, man. Um, it's not hard for me. It's, it's not really something that's ever been a challenge or a struggle. I just, I just do it. I just do it. And I think, I think it's linked to knowing why I do what I do. I think a lot of it stems from that self-reflection and asking yourself why. If you know why you are doing something, then it's not hard to stick with it. It's a lot easier. If you're doing something and you don't know why you're even doing it, this could be something as simple as going to work. Like, why are you going to work? Like, why are you, why are you building a business? Why are you doing this? Why are you, whatever it is, if you don't have a good why, then your motivation tends to, tends to dwindle because there's, you know, if you are, t- okay, let's take, let's take an example. Say that you are going to, Say you're planning to move to Mexico or you are dating a Mexican girl, right? Um, that's a much better motivation to learn Spanish than because you like, you just want to learn Spanish, right? That, that person who's got, okay, I'm going to be in Mexico in, in six months time. And when I get there, I want to be, I'm going to be somewhere where a lot of people don't speak English. I need to learn Spanish. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to get around and maneuver in all other things being equal, that person is going to be much more consistent with their Spanish lessons and their reading and their learning than the person who wants to learn Spanish just because he thinks it sounds cool, right? Unless that latter person's just extraordinarily disciplined. So understanding your why, the same goes with going to the gym. Like, why, why are you training? Why are you eating well? Why, why are you doing it? If it's just because, you know, and look, I mean, a shallow reason can be motivated, can, can still motivate. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Just, just be honest with what your motivation is. There's nothing wrong with starting going to the gym because you want to like, you know, look better. You want to look good. Like there's, that's fine. If that's what gets you in, in most cases, that's not what's going to keep you there long-term, but if that's what gets you in, then that's fine. And then you can create and you can build that habit. So with me, with what I do, even with me being on this podcast, I'm specifically here for a reason. And I'm here because being on this podcast aligns with my bigger goal, right? If it didn't, I would have said, no, I don't want to do it. And I say, I've turned down a lot of interviews because it doesn't necessarily align with 
what I'm trying to do. My big goal through my music, my podcast, my coaching, my public speaking, my writing, everything I do, the goal is to have a positive impact and be an inspiration to millions of people around the world to help people to better themselves, right? That's the, so if I tell people what I do for a living, sometimes people get confused because they don't see the through line between music and fitness and sociopolitical commentary and podcasting and all that. They're like, man, this guy does too many things. Like what's the, what's the connection? The connection is all of these things help me to reach people with a positive, inspirational, motivational message, people of all ages, all around the world in different countries. And through me doing that, that has a ripple effect onwards to allow and help other people to do the same thing, to improve themselves, to take some of the knowledge or ideas that, that I have and have that influence them in some sort of perfect way. Same thing through my music, same thing through my, through my book, whatever it is. If something doesn't align with that, then I say no, because then it's a waste of my time. Right. And staying authentic, even through, even while getting sort of exposure and, um, you know, as, as your brand grows and as it has grown, it could be difficult to maneuver through that as well without letting the ego get in the way again or giving mm -hmm. into distraction or, you know, X, Y, and Z. We have countless reasons in this day and age. So how do you stay true to yourself essentially and not give into different pockets of like ideologies and thoughts that you could capitalize off of? Mm -hmm. I mean, as, as I said, I don't succumb easily to peer pressure and I'm very firm in my values and my principles. Most people aren't. Most people don't know what their values and principles are. And I'm not saying that as a diss. I'm saying that as in people should self-reflect and think, okay, what are the lines that I won't cross? What are the things that matter to me? You know, um, what am I willing to do to protect or defend that? Um, what is the legacy that I want to leave in this world? If you have children, what do you want your children to learn from you? If you don't have children yet, what would you want your future children or maybe your nieces or nephews or whatever it is to, to learn from you? When people see you, what, you know, how do you, do you, do you want people to see you as, as fake? Do you want people to see you as honest and authentic? I think most people like, if they think about it, it would be the latter. Um, but maybe they haven't self-reflected. So that's why they're falling into the fakery and they're just trying to go with whatever is trendy or popular or say whatever the thing is at the time. And it's, it's disingenuous and people can see through that. People can see through that. I know a lot of my power is lies in my authenticity and my, and my honesty. So even whether, even people who do not agree with some of the things that I say, or the way I do certain things or what, like they still generally will respect the fact like, well, this guy's real. Like he's authentic. He's not trying to placate anyone, you know, um, even amongst people who generally agree with me on things. I, I mean, look, there's no two people in this world who agree on everything. <laughs> and it's absurd that uh, we're sort of living in this time period where people think that should even be the case, right? Like even with your own friends, with your own family members, you, you have disagreements. It doesn't mean you don't like each other or love each other or respect each other. It's just that we're, we're, all, we're all different. We all right. have slightly different priorities, slightly different values, slightly different, you know, there can be a lot of overlap, but no two people are exactly the same. We have different interests. We pursue different hobbies, different careers. We have different personality types. And that's beautiful. Like that's literally part of what makes the world interesting. How boring would this world be if we were all just drones and, and clones of each other? It would be, it would be horrible. There'd be Sometimes no point in doing like anything. Though, if you're 
if you're, you know, in a bubble. And to mm-hmm. your point, if you don't get out of your city, get out of your environment or venture out towards things that you could be potentially interested in or good at, you may not know what kind of growth can occur. And mm-hmm. that goes to um, the, the, the second point I wanted to make. I think following trends or following the herd essentially is some, some, somewhat comforting to a lot of people and also mm-hmm. rewarded in this day and age. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. if you do certain things on Instagram, you will be, air quotes, rewarded with likes mm-hmm. and, and, and other metrics that we value as a society in this, at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And not, following victim, or not falling victim to that is, is very, um, in my experience at this age, has been difficult. But mm-hmm. I like the way you described it, you know, staying true to yourself, partly due to personality, and um, partly due to just the awareness that if you do conform, it leads to stagnation in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also a look. On the inside. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there, there are times when, not, like, it's silly to be a, an absolute contrarian for the sake of being a contrarian. Um, you know, just because the majority, just because the majority is doing something or believe something doesn't mean it's either correct nor incorrect. It just means that a majority of people are doing something. There's, there's plenty of things that are popular, but which are not good, right? Like objectively even, right? Some things are more subjective, but there's things that are common or a lot of people do them, but it's not, it doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean that you should do it just because, a lot of other people do it. Um, let's take something which is like, you know, relatively neutral, but I'd say actually it's generally, it leans more towards negative than it does positive. Drinking alcohol, okay? Extraordinarily common, especially if you live in, you know, UK, Europe, you know, Aust- Australia, America, what, like it's extremely common, right? It's like everyone, you know, alcohol is a poison. Alcohol is a drug. Mm-hmm. It's a depressant. It impairs your cognitive ability. It makes you to the point where you could even be unable to drive a car or do basic tasks. Right? If you drink too much, you can't even walk, right? Um, but it's so normalized and so embedded in the culture and in the society that people don't even think of it, right? Someone probably is even triggered just listening to me even mention this, right? How dare he, right? But just because other people drink alcohol doesn't mean that you should or you must, right? I mean, if I tell someone that like, I don't do coke or I don't take heroin or whatever, like they don't bat an eyelid. They're like, yeah, of course you don't. But if you tell someone you don't drink alcohol, they look at you as if you're some sort of, you're some sort of alien or something, right? And it's like, why is that the only drug that I have to justify not doing? Right. Isn't that kind of, isn't that kind of strange? Mm -hmm. And so I'm not even saying here, like, Hey, nobody, nobody drank alcohol or whatever. I'm just saying like, what is the percentage of people who are drinking it because they've like thought about it and they want to, and they've weighed up the pros and the cons or whatever, and concluded it makes sense versus the number of people who are just swept into, Oh, well, everyone else does it. And so I'm going to do it. That's even how some people get into smoking and stuff or even harder drugs because you know, they're surrounded by a group where other people are just doing it. And so they decide, oh, I did heroin because my friends were doing heroin. It's like, that's dumb, <laughs> right? Like, like right. that's not someone who's got a strong ability to assert themselves, right? And so what I really recommend, what I try to do 
and this happens a lot with my my sort of general commentary, especially in in speaking in podcasts and even on, on somewhere like Twitter, is I'm not that interested in telling people what to think, but I want to tell people to think, right? I'm not telling you, you have to live your life exactly like this or do these exact things or whatever, but at least think, right? Don't, don't just be on those rails and just be a, a leaf that flows floats around in the wind and wherever society blows or wherever your friends or your family, wherever it, like you just end up swept away wherever it is, right? You, you want to have some, sure, we are all influenced by people around us and by society and by our families, all of that, by our upbringing. Of course we are, but we're still individuals. We're still autonomous human beings, especially once you're an adult. And so, you know, think, think about that and think about, okay, what is it that I want to be doing and not doing? And of course, occasionally you have to sacrifice. You occasionally have to compromise. Um, but if you can be sort of firm in what it is you want to do and you can, rather than allowing the world to exert all of its force and pressure on you, if you can exert some of your own force and pressure on the world, then you will become a very powerful individual. Absolutely. Um, pertaining to alcohol or hard drugs, those are like, those have immediate sort of consequences that are visible. Yes. I think when it comes mm -hmm. to Instagram, social media, and how we're influenced to think a certain way or to value certain things, the consequences of those things aren't immediate. And I mm. think applying this framework of kind of thinking objectively and analyzing something and, 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 and figuring out a way to impose yourself on the fabric of our existence in a way is really, really powerful. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're, you know, you're, you're contributing to that conversation. Uh, personally for me, it was Kanye West that kind of opened my mind to this in like 2013 mm. or in 2015 I, I watched the interviews from 2013 and I realized mm. the way he thinks about humanity and and all the things that he wants to do and all the sort of influential people that don't allow free thought to surface necessarily or it's in their best interest to control people and contain them um, mm. all of that kind of opened my mind up and I'm curious to hear about you like where do you think that sort of understanding came for, uh, for you? Great question, man. Um, it's difficult to pinpoint for me. It's difficult to pinpoint. I think it's worth saying that my, my parents are fantastic. I have great parents and I have wonderful siblings. So I'm very blessed in that I come from great, stable, solid, loving family who have encouraged me to develop my personality and my education and my my skills and who have who have been there and who have supported me so i have uh, an advantage um and a, a privilege to use that word in its proper sense that i come from that background i know that not everybody does so that's certainly a factor um beyond that it's also a willingness to a willingness to to learn and to to continuously challenge yourself i'm really big on self-improvement i mean one of the I mean, w w even me getting into the gym, I mean, people don't know this. Like, I, used to be, I used to weigh more 20 years ago than I weigh now. I'm 35 years old. When I was 15, I weighed more than I weigh now. Okay? I was a fat kid. And I got into going to the gym because I wasn't, I wasn't happy with that. I wasn't happy with that. I was playing rugby as well, and I wanted to get in better shape, and I wanted to get stronger. So I made a decision. I made a very conscious decision. I'm going to go to the gym 
I'm going to train. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to build my muscles. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to, I'm going to get fitter. I'm going to get fitter. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to do this. This is on me. No one can do it for me. I'm the only, that's one thing I love about fitness and training. And it's like, no one can eat for you. No one can recover for you. Nobody can train for you. It's all on you. And that's such a great metaphor to think about lots of other things. It's actually one of the few things in the world where it's totally like, it's totally on you, right? Most things there is other influence, even other sports, right? If you're playing football or you're playing rugby or you're playing whatever, like you've got a team. So you could play the best game in, 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 in your life and you still lose because your team didn't play well or the other team was just better. When you go to the gym, if you're lifting weights or even if you're running a distance, the distance is always the same. The weights weigh the exact same every single day. They don't care about your race, your gender, your, your, your sexuality, your, your nationality, anything. It's just objective, 100%. If you want to get stronger, you want to get fitter, it's up to you. You've got to be disciplined day in, day out. You can't just go in and train once and all of a sudden you're jacked. You've got to be with it. You've got to stay with it and be consistent. So I think that that's such a fantastic metaphor for success in other areas, if you can apply those same principles, um, which is why like when you see someone who's in, in great shape or got a great physique or whatever, actually, if they can bring that into different areas of their life, then they can be very, very successful because it's the exact same mindset and the same discipline and the same consistency and the same perseverance and willingness to just stick things through if you can apply that to anything else, whether it's running a podcast or starting a YouTube channel, writing a book, your career, uh, even your relationships, whatever it is, you're, you're going to be successful because what makes you successful in one area or what makes you unsuccessful in one area tends to be pretty similar to what makes you unsuccessful or successful in other areas, even if they yeah. seem disconnected, right? If you apply that same philosophy to other areas of your life, then, um, then you'll be good. So I think that I, I think that me starting working out and going to the gym was actually like a, a key. And I, I started training when I was about 15. And I think that that was actually like a, a, a key if I really think about it deeply, I, I haven't even see I haven't even self reflected that much on this point. But I think that that was really vital in me developing my own mindset, it goes so much beyond the physical, but I learned, okay, if I have a plan and I do this and I'm consistent and I work hard and I'm disciplined, I'll have success. Of course, I'd already seen that in school. Like I did really well in school. It's the same thing. Um, and then when I started doing my music, I used to just, um, so the way I really built up my name in the UK to begin with was I used to just go out on the street and I used to sell my CDs hand to hand. So I've sold tens of thousands of albums hand to hand in the UK all over this north south east west whatever name name a town or city in the uk i've probably been there out on the high street talking to strangers and selling my cds and this sort of answers two points so that answers the uh what we were just talking about but that also helps to answer part of the maintaining your humility part if you want to if you want to be humble do some do some direct face-to-face -face sales <laughs> you you go out there and, and try to sell a product to strangers go out there talk to thousands of people and uh, try to pr promote or, or sell. like you you will be humbled very very quickly you will learn a lot about human beings you'll learn a lot about communication you'll learn a lot about yourself and you'll develop a lot of resilience um 
one question people ask me a lot is, man, how do you deal with all the negativity or hate or whatever you get online? Or, and I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> this is light work. This is yeah, light work. I mean, I, I was out there. Plenty of times. Exactly. And being rejected to your face is a lot more um, emotional, let's say, than online. So, oh, someone wrote a mean thing online. It's like, what, whatever, dude, you know, I've been through this thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Literally, I've had people say no to me hundreds of thousands of times, or ignore me. So I've sold when I was out there on the street, and then eventually doing my pop up shops, I sold approximately 25,000 sold about 25,000 CDs that way. Wow. Do you know how many people you have to talk to to sell 25,000 CDs hand to hand? Do you know how many people say no? <laughs> yeah, no. So, I, so someone that. might, yeah, so someone might look at what I'm doing now and see, oh, this guy's got all these followers. And he's doing this and he's doing that, and it seems like they missed that whole sort of, <laughs> they missed the past sort of 13 year period where it was just the just the grind and the rejection and the nose, and um, so they they can look at it now and be like, oh, you know, he he just did that, and suddenly it's like, no, dude, you you missed the whole. You're seeing the tip of the iceberg. Um, that's usually how and it so, goes. Sorry, sorry to cut you mm -hmm. off again, but that's usually how it goes with highly successful people. They have, you know, years and years of trying, failing, learning, growing behind them before you see them succeed. And we even hear this too much now where it's like, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's so much um, more that happens before somebody becomes successful. But I really like your mm. concept um, about sort of, taking failures and applying what you learned from them onto whatever else you do, essentially repackaging mm. your failures. I think that's a very like beautiful way of putting that, that horrific thing that can, you know, deter you from that path or, or make you feel like I can't do this or make you go back mm. to your job or whatever. Um, what was your experience like with failure besides, you know, the rejection and everything, mm. um, just moving forward in your journey or even backwards, like, See, what was the experience? Yeah, I'd like to reframe this question a little bit because I don't consider, I was talking about being hundreds of thousands of rejections. Those aren't failures. Mm. Those are not failures. Those are just minor setbacks and expected things mm. on, 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 on a journey, right? It's not a failure. To me, failure is, failure is not trying. Failure is bottling it. Failure is giving up before you've even really tried getting a rejection is not a failure right the the most successful salespeople in the world and i use that term quite wildly when i say salespeople because most people are in sales whether they know it or not um are the people with the most with the most rejections right like if you imagine being a football imagine you play football or you play any, or basketball and you, you're afraid to shoot because you might miss <laughs> You'll be the worst play. You'll be the most useless player out there, right? Is there any football player, whether it's Lionel Messi or Pele or whatever, who scores most of their shots? No, it's not a single player who the majority of their shots go in. They normally miss. Would you say that? Oh, you failed, right? Is it like no? You're in. Like that's crazy. He scored three goals. Oh, but oh, but he missed eighteen shots. It's like yeah, but he scored three goals. I right? didn't mean for it to come um, across as uh, as, as oh no 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 no. Failures. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying this for the sake of listeners so that they can reframe what they may think is a failure because someone might be listening to this and think, oh, I put, a, I put up a YouTube video and it only got 12 views. That's a failure. 
It's like, no, it's not. Failure is going, oh, I, it only got 12 views, so I'm going to stop. That's failure. Yeah. That's failure. Look at any, while we're on YouTube, look at any big YouTuber. The, the, you could look at the biggest YouTubers in the world. Virtually all of them start, lots of them, like the channel they even have now isn't even their first channel. Like they, they, yeah. they tried something else and it didn't work. And then they tried something else and it didn't work. You go back, you look at their old videos. Some of the, the quality is trash. They're terrible on camera. Like, and you can actually do this, which is great. You can go on a lot of these channels and you can search and put oldest to newest and look at their oldest video. It might be 10 years ago. And you'll be like, wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, like this, this is not good quality content or it wasn't getting a lot of views or whatever, but those are people who just stuck with it. Look at the biggest podcast in the world, the Joe Rogan experience. Have you gone and have you ever watched like, like the first sort of first couple episodes? Oh yeah. It's like the, like the quality is bad. The audio, like it's, it's, you wouldn't watch that and go, oh yeah, this is going to be the biggest podcast in the world. That's going to be worth mm -hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars and get millions. You know, it's just like, man, this, but that's how, that's how it started. Imagine if he'd done 10 episodes and been like, ah, oh, this is a failure. No one's, people aren't listening. You know, it's not all good. So to me, to there's, there's his, all, sorry. Mm. used to say a lot of his friends had that sentiment early on where mm -hmm. they would wonder what he's doing and, that's with yeah. anybody. Right? Like, <laughs> you go to you go to YouTubers and you look at their early videos. That's actually one of my favorite things to do when I when I'm sort of trying to get more perspective. Um, mm. I, I looked at PewDiePie. He's arguably the biggest YouTuber right now. And mm -hmm. in 2015, like he started. I mean, he's been doing it for a while. But the point I'm trying to make is like 2015 was when he was really grinding and his quality wasn't that all that good. Like he wasn't all yeah. that big. And I put that in my context I was a freshman or I was going to be a freshman at university and that's like if I think about my headspace at that time versus that person sitting inside making all those videos you know I mm. could have spent that time building something of my own or doing something like that and I didn't do it and the realization came a little bit later um, but the point is that really puts things in perspective that it's a very like fine line between actually making it and giving up before you're almost there. Absolutely. Um, and also, man, there's a, there's a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of thoughts on that. I'm thinking of which direction to, which direction to go in. Number one is that you can often win by simply being the person who keeps going <laughs> because so many people will drop, so many people will drop out. And so if you're that person who keeps it going, I mean, I'm sure there were other podcasts that started uh, 2011, 2012, around the same time, you know, Joe Rogan, I think it was 2010, 2011. Um, but how many of them kept going? Right? Like there could, if Joe Rogan, mm -hmm, if Joe Rogan had stopped, and someone else had kept going, someone else could be in the spot he's in now. Right? But I can guarantee most podcasts that started in most podcasts don't make it past five episodes, I don't believe. So to be consistent, to put out, I, I don't think, respect to Joe Rogan, I don't think people know how hard it is to make like over 1,500, well, how many podcasts does he does? Like 1,700 or something? I don't know. But like yeah. to do that many of anything, <laughs> it like that takes some serious discipline. Like that's not an easy thing to do. And, and that's actually leads me to an interesting point. So let me jump to another interesting point, which is that if you're going to start something, you should, you should be willing to here's a great question to ask yourself. Am I willing to put 10 years into this, even if it doesn't 
blow up or I don't see immediate success within that time frame. Because there are so many people in all different fields, music, entertainment, uh, you know, corporate, corporate, entrepreneurs, whatever. And it takes more than 10 years for stuff to really gain momentum and pop. I speak from experience on this. I told you, I put out my first album in 2006. Things started to really build momentum for me in 2019. 13 years in, 13 years in, right? I know, do you know how many other rappers and singers and artists who were around at that time in 2006, 2007, 2008, when I was starting out and who were doing sort of similar things to I was doing and versus how many are still doing it? I can think of like three or four out of dozens and dozens. I don't know, realistically out of hundreds who are still, who are still going. They're still, they're still doing it. So many people dropped out. They said it was too hard. They, they gave up. Um, and so if you're going to start a podcast, think, and be, again, be honest with yourself. Think, am I willing to do this for 10 years? Or even do you, do you like it enough to do it for that long, right? Exactly. And this doesn't mean you have to, but, but like, if you're going to start, if you're going to do music, say you're 20 years old and you want to be a, you want to be a rapper, you want to be a singer, you want to be a, a, in a band, you want to think, all right, because some people are like, all right, I'm going to give it two years. And if it, if it doesn't go, then I'll go, you know, get a, get a normal job or whatever. It's like, bro, like you've already failed in most cases. Sure, you can blow up in two years. That's possible, of course. Um, but typically, it's going to take longer than that. And, and also compare it to a, norm, a normal career. I mean, if you're 20 years old and you go get employed by a company, do you expect to be the CEO in five years or two years? Of course not. That would be insane. Right. Do you think you go work in McDonald's and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be the boss of McDonald's in five years? Of course not. So it's kind of crazy that in entrepreneurial ventures or creative ventures, people expect success so quickly. People think, oh, yeah, I'm going to put out a couple songs and I'm going to blow up in a year. It's like, has that happened? Yes, it has happened. That's why. also interesting to note when it does happen. Normally, those people burn out very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. If you look at most long term successful musicians, it took a long time for them to be successful, but then they've been able to maintain that success for decades, right? Think of it in any genre, hip hop, pop, rap, whatever. The people who it took generally, it took them a while to get there and they slowly built up that audience and their fan base and also their skills because these repetitions are how you get good. Qual- quantity is quality. The more podcasts you do, the better you're going to get at podcasting. The more songs you make, the better you're going to get at making music. The more reps you do in the gym, the stronger you get. You can't just do three, four, five, and then be like, all right, cool, I'm done. Like you're always going to be developing. Um, You can see this even with someone who's done something for a long period of time and they're already really good. You can still see when they get even like just a little bit better. Like, whoa, they go like they because that real expertise, they've just become a true master. And that takes time. There's no substitute for time. Uh, you can't become a good live performer without doing a lot of live performances. And this is one where you see, like, so I was talking about music. I've seen situations where an artist is like blown up off their like first or second song or whatever. But then what happens is they get, they get thrown on a concert stage. All of a sudden, you know, their first gig is 2000 people. Like your first gig should normally be like, you know, 20 people, but their first gig is 2000 people or sometimes 20,000 people at a festival. And what happens their performance is trash. They don't know how to perform. They've never learned how to perform. 
and all like they just had one song go viral and then they throw them on the stage and it, it's you watch it and you're like oh my gosh this this is terrible because they never right. they never learned yeah yeah you're absolutely right about that um even with the beatles if you if you look back at how they became big and good they just had more mm -hmm. hours they just put in more hours on stage performing at, at bars in in germany and that directly yep. contributed to them just being better and i like when you mm -hmm. said when, when you said you know when you notice a sort of let's say master in air quotes get a little bit better it's such a beautiful thing to see and that's why they get rewarded for it but all the hours and the work they put be before that is generally not sort of glorified or or you know um even considered but i i really admire that approach however i don't know why like i read this as well that the ten thousand hour rule is not necessarily like accurate and i think they said obviously well, there are nuances I mean, and differences in other variables. I, I, yeah i mean i i i get that i mean look so something like that is obviously it's a it's like a rule of thumb, right? Like, I don't think that 10,000 is like a magic number. <laughs> it's, I, I think whoever, I can't remember who, who first came up with that concept, but I, I think the, the core point of it is you have to put in a lot of time and a lot of hours in something to get really, really good at it, whether it's learning an instrument or learning a language, what, whatever it is, learning a skill. Um, so I think someone even criticizing that point is kind of missing missing the wood for the trees and saying oh maybe it's it's actually seven thousand hours or it's 12 that's like who cares dude like it's a lot it's thousands and thousands of hours <laughs> it takes a long time that that's really the that's really the core the point that people it. should uh should take away from it yeah absolutely um and i'll just well, we can close out with this i want to ask you what your definition of happiness is mm. well i think some of it is a feeling so it's hard to it's hard to describe because I think happiness is a is largely an emotion. It's not really something we can quantify. We know we know when we feel happy. Um, you know the moments where you feel happy. So for most people, it tends to be a combination of doing things they enjoy, being around people who they like or love. Um, feeling like their life has purpose and meaning, feeling like they are loved and they are valued and are contributing something good to the world. Um, and, and I think there's maybe there's two types of happiness that you could think. You could think of like short-term, kind of like that short-term emotional happiness, like in the same day, you could be happy and you could be sad in the same day. And then there's kind of like this longer-term, longer-term happiness Um which is where I think, yeah, that really comes from having value, meaning, purpose, direction, being an env environment that you like. And even if you're sort of short-term sad, you can be long-term happy. So I'd say I'm a very long-term happy person, even though, you know, day by day, my mood may fluctuate a little bit. You know, I I'm a human, right? Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I get sad. Sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I get, you know, upset with people or whatever. But I'm generally happy because my life has meaning. It has purpose. I experience a lot of love from all directions. I'm, I surround myself with good people. I try to put myself in positive environments. Um, I do something that I enjoy for a living. I spend my hours doing things that I typically enjoy and which have meaning. So I'm very much long-term happy. Um, and I'm also healthy. I, I keep myself in good shape. So I think that 
it's a combination of all of those things. Awesome. I appreciate you being here. Um, just real quick, if you want to let everybody know where they could find you, any links, website, anything else. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on all social media at Zuby Music. That is Z-U-B-Y Music. If you want to check out my music, my book, merchandise, you can get all of that from teamzuby.com. And all of my music and podcasts are on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen.